text for the sermon this day is taken from the gospel lesson, which was read to you earlier. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. First, as we begin to talk about this subject of prayer, I want to deal with a misconception. Prayer does not have the power that we quite often speak of it. Now bear with me a little bit. So often we talk about, you hear people talk about the power of prayer. But the thing is, is what happens is we often say this, and we get surprised when our our prayers are not answered the way we want them. And so what we think is, well, maybe I didn't pray quite right. Maybe I didn't use the right words. Maybe I did not have enough faith. Come up with all these different reasons why the prayer didn't work. As if prayer was like a vending machine and we just put the coin in, push the button, and hope that we get what we want. They get made, treating the prayer that doesn't get answered like a bad dollar bill. But that is not where the power lies. So you, if you want to see a good example of why that doesn't quite work... It's because remember when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, he, pre- he had prayed that this cup would pass from him, that he would not be crucified. Now, is anybody in this sanctuary going to say that they have greater faith than Jesus? That they could pray better than Jesus can pray? And yet the answer to Jesus was no. See, what we forget is that prayer is an instrument. The power lies in the one to whom you pray. We get that backwards. We think prayer is wrong. We did something wrong in our prayer. But when we realize the power is in the one to whom we pray, we realize that he has a will that is far greater than our own. As it says at the end of this gospel lesson, he promises, Jesus promises, that he will give good things to his children. But he won't give us the things that he knows we don't need. A good father doesn't give a child everything they want. So, 
With that in mind, this text begins with a question from a group of Jesus' disciples. Now, this is probably not the twelve. This is just a random group of disciples who've been following him. And they ask the question, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. This is a very good question to ask, kind of. They're not asking it so much just because they want to make sure they know what to say, the right words, to get God to do exactly what they're praying for. Rather, it is a recognition that God is holy and righteous. He's the holy, holy, holy Lord Almighty, and they are not. Who are they to approach God when he is holy and righteous and they are not? So how can they pray to him? Which makes the first word of this prayer, which it's not quite the Lord's prayer. So Jesus doesn't just tell them how to pray. He gives them a prayer. In the Gospel of Matthew, during the Sermon on the Mount, he taught them what we know as the Lord's Prayer. And this is just kind of a shorter version of it. But he begins with this word. Father. You realize how profound that is? They are not worthy to call upon God. And yet Jesus, who is the one true Son of God, gives them and you, all his disciples, permission to call upon God as his Father. You are able to call upon him as beloved children. Just as a child goes up to the, their father with confidence and faith, knowing that they will hear them, so also Jesus is giving you the right, the privilege, to do the very same thing to God, our Heavenly Father. And it continues, hallowed be your name. No name is above this name. We are recognizing that in the prayer. His name is holy. It is so sacred that in the, in the Old Testament, many of our translations, instead of writing the name of God, which is Yahweh, they'll put Lord in all capital letters. And the reason they do that is because they are afraid that somebody might mispronounce the name. It's basically an overreaction to using the Lord's name in vain. But... That is part of the fear of it. It is such a sacred name that we are, people are afraid to say it. And so we recognize that in the prayer. But not only that are we recognizing it. We are praying that the name would be made hallow amongst us. That it would be made holy. It would be set apart. So by virtue of being a Christian. The word Christian means little Christ. That means you bear the name of God. That means if you get, when you get done with church and you decide, and actually for coming out of the church, you're mindful about how you drive. But also, let's say you go to Zimmy's or you go to Pizza Ranch or wherever. You decide to go somewhere for lunch. The way that you treat the staff, the way, even if they're really busy and they're not going as, it's not going as quick as you'd like it, you're patient. 
You are are kind, you are caring the way that a Christian is to be because you bear the name of God. And they know who, a lot of times they know who's coming out of church. And it also means that I don't get into debates about how the whole tipping organization, but yes, tip. If you want to make it so that they don't need tips, go write to your legislature and get it changed over. Until that happens, tip. That you are to be, you bear the name of God and you are to bear that, to show that it's set apart. You are to be different. But it also means that we set apart him apart in our daily lives. That means we gladly hear his word and we keep it. That means that when we hear hear the word preached, Or we hear it spoken, we don't go act as if we never heard it and walk about our day. It actually takes effect in our lives. And furthermore, we make sure we take the time to hear it. Because I don't know if some of you realize this, some of you don't like this news, but school is really close. And when school comes, as school is approaching... You're thinking about how crazy your life is going to get all over again. And we're trying, you're trying to figure out how to schedule everything. Now, how many of you thought about when are you going to schedule? When are you going to make, are you going to make sure that you pray every morning when you wake up? And every night before you go to sleep? Do you make sure to make it a point that you would pray before you eat? Yes, even in a restaurant, even in your school cafeteria. And no, your school cannot do anything to you. You can pray in school. That is, your, that is your First Amendment right. They can't take that away from you. You can even read your Bible in school. They can't do anything to you. Just that teachers can't read it. Furthermore, or how many of you have thought of, made sure, thought about, okay, this is when I go to church. Or thought, this is when I'm going to get my wake, weekly Bible study where I gather together with other believers and dig into God's word, just like the Bereans who are exalted in the book of Acts. Or how many are trying, have you thought about when is your daily devotional time that you're going to spend with your family? You're going to read the scriptures together, pray together. If you're like me, yes, I just said me, Very often we make the excuse, well, I just don't have time today. That is our excuse. That is us not setting God's name aside. That is us not making his name hallowed. That is us telling God that you can have time in our lives only when I can find it. That is telling God you can have the scraps. But in reality, what we are supposed to be doing, God does not demand the leftovers. God demands the first fruits. And what we are supposed to do when we're looking at our week, the very first thing we say is, okay, this is God's time. Put that in your schedule. And then everything else follows after it. That is what it means to hallow his name. To set it apart as the first fruit of your time. Being a good steward is not just giving of money, 
It is of giving of time. Your kingdom come. That is an acknowledgement that our kingdoms, our earthly kingdoms, are not exactly ideal. It is acknowledgement that we long for the day that his kingdom comes and there will be one king. And by the way, want to hear the good news about that? We're in the state of Iowa and we're really privileged to have politicians. And i privileged to have politicians running around for the presidential elections. Think about this. You will never go through that again when you're in that kingdom. <laughs> you will never deal with it. Because guess what? There is one king. There is one way. There is no debate. That is what we are praying. Thy kingdom come. Because every, every people in the history of the world was exhausted by whoever was in charge. And it won't end until Christ comes. Or whoever's trying to get in charge exhausts us. Give us each day our daily bread. We pray that God would give us what is necessary for existence. Jesus is teaching us not to pray that we could become rich. Not to pray to have the nicest house in town, but pray that we would have only that which is necessary to survive. Praying for the bare minimum. We pray, and it continues, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. So it is a, we, are to, we are to forgive. We're praying that God would enable us to forgive. There's a time when Jesus was asked, how many times should I forgive my brother when he sins against me? And Jesus says, 70 times, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Which, by the way, there's a kind of a cool little cartoon that's circled around Facebook. It says, for, where it shows Jesus saying, forgive 70 times seven. And the guy in the back is sitting there trying to figure out the math. And then it says in the bottom, forgive, because it's easier than math. So, but we are called to forgive limitlessly. And there is no sin that is too great for us to forgive. And then lead us not in temptation. We pray, not that God, it's not that God leads us into temptation, but that he would give us a way out of temptation. That he would give us the wisdom to know what to say and to do when temptation comes our way. See, in all this teaching of Jesus, teaching them how to pray, teaching them a prayer, we say the Lord's Prayer, which is an incredible act of faith, because we are shouting God's word right back at him. We are saying, God, we trust your word so much that it is sufficient for us to pray it. But it's also carrying a wonderful gospel in it. Because it began, he's talking to disciples. In Matthew 28, when Jesus says, go make disciples of all nations, he tells you how to do it. Baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them all that I have commanded you. See, in the waters of baptism, God was made your Father. It is only because you are a baptized disciple of Christ that you are able to say, Father. 
Hallowed be your name. That sacred name, which is set apart, was placed upon you in baptism. You were marked as a child of God. Your kingdom come. God's kingdom came to you in the waters of baptism. It comes to you when you hear the word preach. It comes to you when you receive the Lord's Supper. You become a resident because you are his son. Because you bear his name, you will enter into his everlasting kingdom. He does give you your daily bread. And he gives you way, way more than that. This past Wednesday, we helped load, it up, helped load up a truck for Moldova, which is a country right in between Romania and Ukraine. And Moldova's average income, yearly income, is $4,000 a year. The average income in the United States, $44,000 a year. So we are, in case you can't tell, very well off. Supporting things like Orphan Grain Train, that's what God actually asks for you to do when you have abundance. God allows people to be wealthy that they may support those who are not. That was what Luther argued a lot in his writings. And he does indeed forgive your sins every single time you pray it. Because you see Jesus who is teaching this. He is on the way to the cross. He is on his way to suffer and die for you. And by his death, he brought forgiveness. And in the waters of baptism, you were made a child of God. So you could say, our Father who art in heaven. His hallowed name was placed upon you. And by the Holy Spirit, you're enabled to make his name hallowed in your life. His kingdom did, does indeed come to you. And again, when he does forgive, and that is where he forgives your sins. By which you are made a part of his kingdom. By which you receive his name. By which... He is your Father. To pray this prayer, come, to pray any prayer, is an act of faith. And I don't know if you notice, there's one phrase not in that prayer that is very different in Luke's account. Thy will be done. That is the hardest part in that entire prayer. When you say thy will be done, this is very true when someone is sick or dying. You are, when somebody is at that point where they could live or die, it could go either way. And you say, not my will, but your will be done. Or if it be in accordance with your will, make this person better. That prayer is, the, is one of the hardest prayers to pray. And it takes extraordinary faith. And I can tell you, I can't always pray it. There are times where I visited people in the hospital who were in that condition and I could not get myself to pray it because I, I did not have enough faith. Because when you pray it, you are saying, God, you can make this person better. God, you may not make this person better. And 
by not making this person better, that is what's best for them. That is very difficult to pray. But that is what we pray when we say, thy will be done. But the thing is, we pray the fullness of that faith is the reason we know it, even if the person is not made better, the reason we know it is for their best is because it does say in the scripture that God works for, those, works for the best for those whom he has called, he has chosen. And the one who you are praying over, if they are a Christian, they have been baptized into Christ, you know that death is not the end. You know the end is the everlasting kingdom. That is when thine angels will come to take them to the everlasting kingdom. We pray it, resting in his grace and his mercy until Jesus does indeed return to bring his kingdom. To him be all glory. Amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep in the one true faith, the life everlasting. Amen. At this time, we sing the last two verses of our Father who from heaven above, while it is being sung, we will collect the offering.